Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening. Welcome to Donnell Edwards' Viewpoint. Your program with nationally recognized guests who are experts in their fields discussing today's most pressing issues and where your viewpoints matter. So call with your question or comments about this week's topic or whatever else may be of concern to you. Just call Darnell at 563-999-3660 to share your viewpoint. Now, with this week's guest, here's your viewpoint host, Darnell Edwards. Good evening, good evening, and welcome to Donnell Edwards Viewpoints. And I'm your host, Donnell Edwards. We thank you for joining us for tonight's program. How, and uh, we're looking forward to discussing understanding banking, credit, lending, mortgages, foreclosure, and how to get help when at risk of foreclosure. We're also going to talk about uh, uh, avoiding the, uh, student the student debt overload. So we got a lot to talk about this evening, and we look forward to that. It is Financial Literacy Month, and tonight we continue our series of special programming centered around personal money management. We're proud to have with us as our guest this evening uh, two very formidable gentlemen, uh, and that's uh, Mr. Uh, Lionel Shipman. Uh, Mr. Shipman has uh, been in the banking and financial services industry for over 20 years. He is the owner of Shipman Consulting, a financial and life empowerment company specializing in educating, motivating, and empowering people in the areas of finance, business, and life skills. And also we have uh, Mr. Uh, Alan Spivey. Mr. Spivey is the founder and CEO of Social and Sustainable Community Development Fund, which is a revolutionary system that was created as a result of the recent foreclosure crisis. Mr. Spivey's organization works with homeowners who have been uh, foreclosed or who are at risk of being foreclosed and offers principal reductions in addition to one-on-one -on -one financial education to protect them from displacement. So, gentlemen, uh, thank you for joining us, and welcome to the CWR Talk Network and Donnell Edwards Viewpoints. Thank you, Donnell. This is Lionel. It's a pleasure being here. I'm glad to uh, have this discussion tonight. Okay. Thank, thank you, you very, very much. much for having us. Okay. Now, one of the things we hope to accomplish tonight is to provide listeners with a personal blueprint for financial success. Uh, Alan, what do you think a blueprint for financial success should consist of? Um, I would say that, you know, some of the basis for financial success is you want to make sure that you, you know, you have a, a list of, you know, all your debts and your, you know, your income, and you want to make a budget. You want to make sure that you have a good idea of where you are currently, and that way you can kind of help manage 
um, how things are going in their life and in the future. Um, so you want to make sure that you have that understood and a good idea of your bills. Make sure that, you know, you're not just letting them, um, you know, the bills come in the mail, but you're not really checking them. You want to make sure that you're current on your amounts. Make sure that you set up calendars to make sure that everything's on time. Um, and at least making minimum payments on, on some of those bills, especially if it's regarding credit, I'm at the very least. Um, but for the most part, you just want to be aware of you know, everything that is going on in your life. But you also want to prepare for things and have things like, you know, life insurance or retirement savings and things of that nature. Um, if you have the income to support it, just make sure that you, you know, have a well-rounded um, view so that you can have financial success now and in the future. Okay, very good. And Lionel, I'd like to ask you the same thing. Uh, what should a blueprint for financial success be comprised of? I would say the blueprint for financial success uh, would, con- would, con- would look like, first of all, getting the idea of what your goals are going to be. Uh, so setting forth your goals, putting your goals out on paper so you can get a, a good view of where you want to be. Uh, if, it's, if it's paying off debt, uh, if it's uh, wanting to purchase a home in the future, or if it's wanting to start saving for retirement, or starting uh, an education fund for your children. So to me, the first thing would be just to sit down and set some goals for yourself, and that could be either short-term goals, mid-term, and long-term goals. But along with those goals, it's important to have, I would say, a plan of action. Uh, set forth a plan to accomplish each one of those goals. And, you know, and realize, too, that some of your goals may change as you go along uh, with your lives on an everyday basis. So feel free to, if you need to, readjust any goals. That's your goals, and that's something that you can do. But to have those goals established and plan and have an action plan or a set of steps to accomplish those goals, and then begin to just implement what you've put forth, and then being able to measure uh, what you have and manage along the way. I, I created a saying some years ago when I would do some financial teaching, and that would be if you cannot manage, well, first of all, you should be able to measure your, your financial progress. So if you cannot uh, manage uh, the, uh, along the way, then it's really not, to me, it wouldn't be a, 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 a complete success story. So you should be able to manage, be able to measure it, and be able to make adjustments along the way. So that's what I would say a blueprint for financial success would be. Okay. Thanks for those uh, those suggestions. And uh, basically it sounds like one of the keys is uh, – planning, uh, effective planning. Now, uh, we're going to start with something basic. I think uh, uh, both of you kind of touched on this, and I know Alan did, and that's uh, having a budget. You know, a Gallup poll from 2013, which was the most recent recent stat I could find, shows that only a third or one in three Americans prepare a detailed, written, or household budget. Now, we kind of talked about that. You touched on that a little bit, but guys, why is a budget so important to financial success? And would you like to start with that, uh, Lionel? Yes, I'll start with that one. Uh, 
budget, I, I've mentioned this uh, even on my show and on past uh, uh, discussions. A lot of time people look at uh, the word budget or the activity of budgeting as a taboo word. Uh, and, and I never want to uh, want to look at budgeting as a taboo word. Uh, if companies can operate and function off of a budget, that is surely something as an individual that I should be able to function and have great success uh, with the budget. Now, really, it doesn't surprise me that one third, uh, uh, three, one out of three people, have never really just sat down and prepared a budget, or. Uh, they're the only a third. Uh, excuse me. Only one out of three have actually sit down, uh, sat down and prepared a detailed budget. Uh, it's not a tedious thing. It's tedious in the beginning, but once you realize the benefits of having a budget, uh, living by a budget would be no problem. I mean, a budget is basically uh, it's a tool or a guide that will see if you're headed in the right direction financially speaking. Uh, it, it's, you're summarizing all of your income, you're summarizing all of your expenses, and hopefully you will have a positive number uh, after you subtract out your, your expenses. And, uh, you know, just thinking of some of the benefits of being able to do that, especially when you have a positive income after you subtracted out your expenses. Some of the things that come to mind would be uh, – some of the benefits of budgeting would be it allows you to control your money instead of your money controlling you. Uh, it allows you to uh, live within your means. It, it gives you a starting point to where uh, you can go up a little bit further every month or every year thereafter. Uh, it also helps you create uh, the opportunity to have some savings uh, uh, going forward. And lastly, it, it, it will allow you to free up money along the way because if you're operating off of a budget, a detailed budget, where you're laying all of your income out, you're laying out all of your expenses, it helps you identify exactly where your money is going. And once you have identified where your money is going, you can pretty much just, uh, uh, make a decision where you can cut back on, especially from an expense standpoint, and then be able to pay that debt off, pay those bills off, and then begin to reallocate that extra money toward other debt until it's paid off. And then you have money freed up to do some of those other things that people would like to do. Okay. Alan, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, well, I, I agree with everything um, Lionel said, but I also say, and, and he kind of touched on it, that it just allows you to be a little bit more proactive with your life as opposed to, you know, feeling like you're always playing defense when when random things and bills and charges come up and now you're trying to scramble and trying to figure out how to pay things. Um, you know, with the budget, you're, you're able to, to plan far, out, um, far enough in advance that you know what's coming up, you know what money you have, you can set money aside and, and know that, you know, this is going to take care of this, this, this will take care of this. Um, but in order to take care of, you know, this bill, maybe I need to not go out and eat as much, and maybe I need to, you know, bring a lunch from lunch to work or things of that nature. But once you have everything, um, like I said, like a detailed budget, and you know what's 
what's going on in your life so that helps you plan in advance and then you'll know even if you have extra money you know what that money can go towards um, whether that can be helping to pay off debt or just building an emergency fund or even if it's you know you have a little extra money to for a vacation you're able to plan all that out as opposed to you know just being surprised all the time when something happens and then trying to scramble you know to try and figure things out just a budget helps kind of keep the stress off of you Okay. Now, what if a person doesn't have the confidence or feel that they have the ability to uh, develop a budget? Where can they where can they get help? Where can they find out how to uh, uh, develop a realistic budget? I would say there's um, there's a lot of online tools. If you know, if you feel like you don't have anyone you know personally close to you that can that can help, but I think you'd also be surprised that. Um, even though you said that you know the majority of people don't seem to have a budget, there's probably someone within your circle that does handle money, you know, somewhat well, and they may be budgeting, so they may be able to help you um, from a personal aspect. But there's a lot of online tools and um, apps nowadays. Like fortunately, we're enough we're in an age where we have technology that's been really helpful, and um, websites like I think Mint.com and other other ones like it are are able to help track your your current spending. If you sign up, then they'll help analyze um, where your money is currently going. But they'll also help you um, create a budget as well. Um, and if not, you can probably reach out to a financial advisor, um, which would also be really helpful for anybody. Okay, very good. So the the point here that listeners need to understand is that we have to educate ourselves. Now, if you've already done this, uh, maybe this 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 will just you know reinforce some of the things you're doing. But for those that that are struggling or may need help, the the point is to educate yourself so that you can be money wise. Because if you don't, you're going to be money poor for sure. Now, let's let's talk about spending. Uh, what should listeners be aware of when it comes to personal or family spending? Well, when it comes to, I would take that, uh, when it comes to spending, uh, I have a, a, I guess, a slogan or a, a motto of some sort that I have used for a number of years when it comes to spending. Uh, I always like to say spending carefully. Uh, that is something that, you know, we've, hit the, we've heard spending plans and we've heard spending, uh, government spending, personal spending. But when it comes to spending, I think that is something that we should do on a carefully type basis. Uh, I am of the mindset that just because I want it does not mean that I need to spend the money to get it. Uh, Sometimes we struggle with the need versus wants uh, mindset. And a lot of times our wants outweigh our needs, even though our finances dictate otherwise meaning that a lot of times we spend money uh, either through credit card or through other forms of uh, of creditor-type accounts in order to enjoy those things that we want. But uh, we have to get of the mindset, especially in today's time and even in the past, so many people have struggled in that area, and unfortunately it has put them in in, in financial stress especially when you have a family, you know, just say a typical family of four, and you're struggling along the way to even make ends meet because 
we are spending more money on our wants as opposed to allocating to make sure that our needs are met. So when it comes to spending, I would always say make sure that you spend carefully. Uh, don't try not to be wasteful. Uh, I am the kind that I want everyone to enjoy life. Uh, however, sometimes we may have to save up in order to enjoy the life that we want as opposed to trying to spend the money right now because in the end we end up suffering or, or either causing unnecessary stress upon ourselves as well as upon our families. Okay, very good. Uh, do you have anything to add, Alan? Um, I would say this is, you know, something that, you know, relates personally to me. Um, I would say one of the best things that I've done um, as far as me and my family in regards to spending is kind of reverting back to just using cash more often um, because in this, you know, digital age where, you know, we have money that we can just swipe with a card or even nowadays people are using cryptocurrency and, and things of that nature. But, you know, just the use of cash and kind of limiting yourself to a certain amount of spending um, has been really helpful So because there's it, it it puts a limit on what you can actually do because you know if you run out of cash then then it's really noticeable as opposed to if you just keep swiping you're not seeing the money leaving your hand you're not seeing the money leaving your account instantly um, so it just makes you more aware of what you're doing and if you set like again with your budget if you set limits for how much you plan on spending at any given time then when that cash is gone it's gone and then you know then you know that maybe I need to slow down on this or you know, then you can make some adjustments, but it's just very um, beneficial to be, you know, very aware of your spending, your spending habits, you know, just see where your money is going and make sure that you're, you know, using it wisely. Okay. And, uh, Alan, I, I second what you said about uh, the spending part being personal. Uh, I have uh, written a blog for several years. I haven't been able to write much within the last year because I've devoted so much of my time to this program and also to developing this uh, network, but it's called knowyourmoneyglobal.net, K-N-O-W-Y-O-U-R-M-O-N-E-Y-G-L-O-B-A-L.net. And you will find there information about uh, no-spend weekends, uh, having a mm -hmm. cash budget like uh, Alan just mentioned. And one of the things you'll find there, I, I wrote one blog called The Confessions of a Spendaholic. And mm -hmm. that is my personal uh, confession about a time in my life when I was much younger and didn't value money and the trouble it got me into. So uh, I, I do encourage people to go there and, and visit that site and uh, hopefully it will be a benefit to you. Uh, right now, we're going to take a break, and when we return, we'll be joined by a, a special uh, surprise guest uh, to tell us about an exciting new program coming to the CWR TOG Network. If you just joined us, this is Donnell Edwards' Viewpoints, and our topic tonight is understanding banking, credit, lending, mortgages, foreclosure, and how to get help when at risk of foreclosure. And our special guests are financial advisors, Alan Spivey and Lionel Shipman, and a surprise uh, guest or two, 
If you have a question for Mr. Shipman or Mr. Spivey, call us right now at 563-999-3660. That number again is 563-999-3660. When we return, we will discuss the importance of developing a good relationship with your bank, and we will be joined by one of our special guests. So please stay tuned until we return in just a few moments. You're listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network, hashtag one. College is back in session, and new survey results show that many students are getting failing grades when it comes to managing their money. According to a recent Visa USA Consumer Survey, 42% of consumers have never checked their credit score. The same survey found that only 20% of Americans know that it's perfectly legal for employers to refuse to hire a job applicant if they have a bad credit score. Jason Alderman is a personal finance expert and director of Visa's free consumer education and awareness program called What's My Score? College students entering the workforce need to know what their credit score is because it can have a serious impact on their ability to get hired. A bad credit score can send an otherwise well-qualified job applicant rate to the unemployment line. That's why it is so important for everyone to stick to a budget and pay their bills on time. Students and adults can get a free estimate of their credit score and tips on how to better manage their money by visiting whatsmyscore.org. I'm Lee Shepard. Dave, what are you doing? Just sending a gift to Dave2037. Who? Me in the future. I save a little money from every paycheck as a gift to Dave2037. So he can spend it on things like anti-gravity boots or a hologram Doberman. Something cool like that. I think Dave2037 deserves it. He worked hard. What are you getting Steve2037? I guess I was thinking Steve2037 would just fend for himself. Well, all right. But don't expect to be borrowing my anti-gravity boots. You want to have money in your future? You got to start saving now. Putting some money from every paycheck into a savings account or contributing to your 401k can make a big difference later. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. For free ideas and easy ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. Hey, let's just hope Steve2037 doesn't get his hands on a cold time machine because he is going to come back here and knock some sense into you. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. You're listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network, hashtag one million strong. Welcome back. If you just tuned in, this is Donald Edwards Viewpoints. And tonight's topic for discussion is understanding banking, credit, lending, mortgages, foreclosure, and how to get help when at risk of foreclosure. And our special guests are Mr. Alan Spivey and Mr. Lionel Shipman. Right now, we're joined by the host of an exciting new program coming to the CWR Talk Network, Miss Joanne Burrow. Joanne, uh, I believe you're there. So uh, how are you this evening? Good evening, everyone. I'm fine. Great, great. It's uh, great to have you with us. 
Uh, so can you please tell everyone about your program, the date and time, the purpose, what you hope to accomplish, and how listeners will benefit? Sure. Be happy to. The uh, radio show is called Read, Read, Read. And the purpose of the radio show is to help our parents, educators, and community leaders to uh, have additional resources to help our youth to read more, especially youth that are from Title I schools or economically challenged communities. We hope to match mentors, college students, with youth from these schools to meet once a week. And we have a program that's laid out where the college student and the mentee wouldn't be um, have any type of anxieties about meeting because every minute of the mentoring session is laid out from the book that they read, from reading to each other, and going over the goal sheet for the mentee. Uh, the goals and objectives of this reading and mentoring program is to improve the ac- academic outcomes of the underserved students, focusing on their weekly goals and ways to help them, their parents and their teachers, to get them more involved and excited about going to school, as well as the, keeping them out of trouble. Okay, um, very benef- Go ahead. Okay. I was going to say that this is important because when a student is limited in reading and their comprehension skills, they, uh, they, they are not good readers, and they, their vocabulary improves, um, and they understand what, when they're listening when they have good reading and comprehension skills. And with the reading program, this is to help them to be um, to to be to improve their reading skills and to want to read more and to be more involved in school, hopefully encouraging them to attend college because with this demographic of students, they don't get a chance to go to college or have the opportunity to prepare to go to college. And who benefits from this is the parents because they have help with their students preparing for their classwork the teachers, because the teacher could complete the goal sheet that we give them each week, and the mentor can talk with the student about ways and improving their uh, time in school and the things that they can improve on. Okay. Well, that's going to be an interesting program. And what day and time is that again? This would be on Saturdays, once a month, every third Saturday from 11 a.m. until 12 p.m. Okay, and you're going to have guests, and uh, I think there's going to be a book club. Uh, there's going to be assignments and leadership skills. So uh, this is going yes. to be a very, very interactive uh, program that's going to help in the community. So uh, it's something we want to do in, in giving back and uh, part of our uh, focus and our mission as the causes and issues and life network, uh, we don't just claim to be that. We are that. It's, it's in our DNA. That's who we are. So we thank you and, and we I, look forward to your program. Go ahead. I wanted to say that if 
you know of a college student who would like to spend one hour a week with a student from an economically challenged school or Title I school, please send them my way. My email address is Joanne Burrell at CWRmedia.net. That's J O A N N B as in boy, U R L at CWRmedia.net. And we supply the first book for the mentee and the mentor, as well as they have the opportunity to be a part of a book club where they receive a book once a month. And that book club is sponsored by a nonprofit that we work with, Jeanette's Joy Community Services. Okay. Thank you very much. And uh, we wish you well. You have our full support. And, you know, for those listening, if you're in California or Florida, whatever, it doesn't make any difference because uh, this uh, most of this is going to be interactive online, and we will be introducing some other tools and things to make it uh, even more uh, so that people anywhere in the country will be able to participate. So thank you for joining us uh, tonight, Joanne, and we'll all be listening to you on, on Saturday. Thank you. Okay. I appreciate it. Thank you for having okay. me. You're very welcome. Now, gentlemen, before moving on to the importance of developing a strong relationship with your bank, I would like to ask about two other points uh, that uh, listeners need to be aware of. The first is how to handle unexpected income. For example, tax refunds and inheritance or lottery winnings. So what do listeners need to be aware of in those instances regarding how they use that money? I would say... Um, uh, oh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Alice. Go ahead. You can go ahead. Um, well, not to you know, hit this point over the uh, too many times, but I think um, when you go back to the budget... Um, that we talked about before, it allows you to kind of see areas that may need um, maybe additional help or additional funds um, to go towards those areas. So if, you, if you've got some, some unexpected income, you may look and see that, you know, we could put more money down to pay off this credit card or to pay off um, some of the mortgage or something along those lines, or maybe we need to increase an emergency fund, which is a, another great thing to have um, as part of your financial plan. Um, so I would, I would just say that it's not a, like a one, one answer that fits for everybody, but just kind of take a, take a snapshot of where you are uh, financially and, you know, <clears throat> then take a look to see what area needs the most help or just think about in the future that, you know, maybe we can save towards this or um, something along those lines. So I would just say just, just make a plan and, and think about it before you just go spending. Okay. And, uh, Lionel, you have something to add? Yes, yes. I agree with Alan totally. Just want to add, you know, uh, of course it depends upon the dollar amount. You know, looking at tax refunds, uh, pay off the debt. If you have any credit card debt, absolutely pay down or pay that debt off. Uh, if you have any monies left over, I do encourage people. There's nothing wrong with being able to go out maybe to a nice dinner and a movie, uh, something like that, to have some form of enjoyment with it. But also uh, 
have a portion that you would give. I'm a huge advocate of making sure that we have a mindset and a heart to give uh, to those uh, organizations, uh, nonprofit organizations, you know, depending upon the actual dollar amount, but being able to give some back uh, in some form or format. Now, you mentioned about, you know, larger winnings, like a lottery-type winning. Uh, made that happen to me, let me say that first and foremost. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> uh, if you come in, if anybody coming into large sums of money, you know, lottery winnings, you know, 100000 a couple of millions of dollars, the first thing I would advise people to do is to first uh, uh, go and speak with an advisor before you make any plans with anything. Uh, get Get things in place before you – it's so easy to go and, especially when you get money, you, you we have a tendency, you know, the average person has a tendency to go out and just start spending money. Uh, don't let that be your first uh, action. <clears throat> Sit down, begin to think about, okay, based upon my goals, based upon my budget, how can I allocate this money? You know, if it's paying down or paying off debt, do that. If it means putting some to the side in a saving account, do that. If it means giving a portion, uh, giving out some to those that may need more help than you, do that. But definitely sit down and kind of think about it or either inquire uh, the help of a financial advisor or some type of financial type counselor. Okay. One more thing I want to add to that um, is that we also need to think about especially if you come into a large sum of money, is uh, once you speak with your financial advisor, think about ways and how you may want to invest some of the money as well Um, because everything we've talked about is really necessary as far as the budget, you know, paying down debt, um, making sure that you, you know, are charitable and things of that nature. Um, But you also want to make sure that, you know, you have some money that's working for you as well so that way that, you know, you're building income, building wealth um, and be able to, have something potentially to help you through retirement or to pass on to loved ones. So just just add an investment thought process to everything else as well. Okay, very good. Uh, Another thing we want to make sure that people are thinking about right now, and it's very timely that we talk about this because uh, uh, most people, well, I won't say most people, but a lot of people who were late uh, just filed their uh, tax uh, returns uh, this week. Some may have already re, re, uh, 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 submitted those returns earlier in the year. But at, at this time of the year, a lot of people are getting tax refunds. And some of those refunds are some large amounts. And what most of those people are going to do is take that money and spend it. That's why tonight we want to talk about this to make sure before you do that, if you haven't already gotten that refund, Think about how you're going to spend that money before you spend it so that once it's all gone and you look back and you haven't done anything but throwing it away. So so give that some thought. Now, moving right along, we said we were going to talk about the importance of uh, developing a good relationship with your bank. Now, why is it important and how does one develop a strong relationship with his or her bank? And would you like to start on that one, Alan? Um, well, I'm going to kind of talk about it from from my background. Um, okay. My background has primarily been um, de- dealing in the bankruptcy field, and we deal with um, banks and people who 
have fallen into bad debt to the point where they can't really pay it off. They're really struggling to pay it off. And I would say a lot of a lot of that could have been avoided um, if there was a better relationship on both sides, you know, from the bank or the person who, you know, is in that debt. And some some of these um, instances, if they would have, if either side was more proactive as far as trying to get um, a problem handled before, you know, it gets to the point of bankruptcy or foreclosure, um, it would be really helpful. So um, that being said, you know, if if anyone is at a point of crisis financially and they feel like they're not able to, you know, make certain payments or anything, sometimes it's just really helpful to have that relationship with the bank so that they can, you know, be more lenient with you or um, they'll be more likely to forgive some overdrafts or um, be able to, you know, implement whatever plans that they have in order to work with you during your financial crisis. So just just having that relationship with them, um, being proactive as far as letting them know any sort of issues. Um, But from the bankruptcy side, I've also seen it where um, the banks could do a better job of having a, a good relationship with their customer. So I see it from both sides, just that um, both sides need to work on a, having a good relationship and therefore, you know, avoiding some issues that come down the line. Okay. Uh, Lionel? Uh, I would say uh, it depends upon your banking needs. Uh, being a former banker for many years and working in, uh, I actually managed a branch office at a bank some years ago, uh, the first thing that I would, I would say to customers, or to the listeners rather, uh, would be what are your banking needs? Uh, it depends upon how you're going to develop a banking relationship. You've got to first of all figure out what are your needs. You know, <clears throat> Do you have a need of just having a simple just a checking account where you can come in and cash your checks and you know, pay your, your, your monthly bills? Or do you need a loan of some sort, you know, for a home or for a car. Uh, you may have some that you may need uh, business-type financing for your business. You know, you may need a line of credit. You may need a term loan. Uh, you may need to uh, have uh, you, your children for their college education. Uh, you may want to consider, you know, your retirement-type planning. So. To me, it just depends upon your actual banking needs. Now, how to develop a good banking relationship? I would say, uh, I guess some things that come right to, right to my mind would be make sure that you manage your accounts responsibly. Uh, that is one thing that I, I, I had a number of customers, as I reflect back, uh, had they managed their accounts more responsibly, they probably would have had a much better banking relationship. Uh, I would say get to know your bank. If you have a community bank or a bank that you normally go inside uh, to do your transactions, make sure you get to know the people that are in the bank. Get to know the bank manager. Uh, let them know, you know, what your needs are. And they, are, and they in turn, would be able to present products or services that will help you establish an even better banking relationship. And I would say lastly, 
be open with your finances. Uh, I've had customers uh, that will come in and tell me that they have the greatest credit up until I pull the credit and found out that they don't have good credit. So make sure that you're open with your finances, and hopefully that will help you uh, have a better relationship with your banker. Okay. And, uh, Lionel, your fast, uh, last comments there kind of took us, uh, segued right into the uh, next point we want to talk about, and that's the importance of uh, controlling the amount of debt a person incurs and to use credit wisely. Please explain how listeners may achieve these goals. And uh, we kind of touched on that a little bit, but uh, would you uh, kind of expound on that a little more for us, uh, Lionel? Okay. Well, I would say using credit wisely. Um, For years now, we know that uh, it's been the butt of jokes when it comes to people and their credit sometimes. You know, years ago, I would laugh at those jokes, but uh, since I've been more in-depth in teaching uh, <laughs> people about their credit, is credit is not a laughing manner, uh, matter. You know, having bad credit is not a laughing matter. Uh, you know, you, you, you work hard and you have just made a mess of your finances. Then you want to apply for a loan and your credit is messed up. So I would encourage people when it comes to your credit, treat your credit like you would that precious car or whatever whatever is precious and dear to you, make sure you treat your credit the same way. Uh, look at it. Anytime we want to acquire a loan, be it a car, be it a home, even applying for an apartment, there are some jobs that they oftentimes look at your credit history and look at your credit. And if you're not managing your credit wisely, if you're not managing your credit history wisely, you will not get the loan, you will not get the apartment, and sometimes you may not get the job. So I would definitely say use your credit wisely so when uh, those times come up when you need to, you're at a point to where you want to buy your first home, uh, credit won't be an issue. When it's time to buy your first no car or buying a car for your children, credit would not be an issue. So definitely treat your credit uh, as best uh, possible. Okay. Alan? Um, Yes, I definitely agree with everything um, Lionel just said. Um, I would say that, again, you want to manage your credit really responsibly um, because, in my opinion, credit basically just gives you options. Um, the more, the better your, your credit is, the better options that you have in regards to buying certain things or just, um, you know, having that financial ability to, you know, pay off or put a little money down or where you have to put a lot of money down um, or if you have to pay everything cash because, you know, whoever's trying to sell you something won't allow you to, to use credit. Um so, I mean, all that to say is that, again, you, you do need to manage it really well. And I would say that the better you handle it, um, which keeps going back to the options thing, is that you'll be able to, you know, get better interest rates, um, get better houses, um, cars, everything based off of 
it may seem silly, but you know that that credit number is really important to many businesses. So you just want to allow yourself the options. You don't want to be told no just based off of past mistakes and past mismanagement. Um, so the, the better you take care of it, um, kind of the smoother you'll you'll be able to to move through life financially. Okay, I would just like to add to what both of you said that uh, listeners. And I'm speaking from experience, and, and please listen to me. Protect your credit like you protect your life. Please. It's that important. Because you don't want to find out. That. You don't want to find out or you don't want to have to experience what life is like if you don't protect your credit like you do your life. So right now, we're going to take another break, and we'll return with our other special surprise guest uh, after uh, the break. So please uh, stay with us, and we shall return in just a few minutes. You're listening to the CWR Talk Network. America's Voice for Causes, Issues, and Life Empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network, hashtag one million strong. My savings are gone. Okay, where were they last? Here, right before I spent them on that vacation to Aruba. Weird. Not weird. Not saving now means no money later. For free ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network, hashtag one million strong. Welcome back. This is Donnell Edwards Viewpoints, if you just tuned in. And uh, right now, we're going to see if we can contact our uh, special uh, surprise guest, I'm going to uh, see if I can give her a call right now. So just bear with me a minute, and we hopefully will make connections here in just a few minutes. And what we're going to be discussing once we uh, get this call through is uh, we're going to uh, talk about uh, student loan debt and not being overcome by the uh, Student don't student loan debt overload, and hopefully she'll pick up here in just a minute. Hello. Hello. Uh, let, let me put you on. Uh, let's see if we, we got you on. Oh, okay. okay, I believe you're on. Okay. Uh, if you just let me give you an introduction so people know who we we have on the line, and then we will get into our discussion. Uh, our special surprise guest is an author. Certified business and career coach, speaker, and trainer. She is a multi-award winning author, and she wrote the best-selling book, Parents Send Your Child to College for Free. So she knows a lot about uh, not getting overburdened with the student loan uh, debt overload. She is an accomplished entrepreneur and scientist, and as a successful business and career coach, she also empowers youth and corporate professionals to become thought leaders 
She serves on the Forbes Coaches Council and holds certifications as a project manager professional and Lean Six Sigma Black Belt. Please join me in welcoming to our discussion tonight, Ms. Tamika Williamson. Thank you for joining us, Tamika. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Okay. And what we've been uh, talking about tonight is how to develop a blueprint for personal financial success. And one of the things, especially for anyone that's been to college, is uh, most of us is uh, paying off student loans. I got one I'm paying off right now. But for some people, it's uh, really, really a, a problem and interferes with uh, the things they would like to do financially for themselves with their family. I don't. I wasn't able to uh, look up the statistics on the uh, student loan uh, overload for the nation. I, I don't know if you know that right offhand, but I mean, I mean, it's astounding. I think it's probably approaching a trillion dollars or more. Is that that about right? Yeah, the student loan debt is at about is close is actually close to one point now. I mean, not million, oh. 1.5 trillion. Okay. <laughs> I really okay. understand that. It's almost 1.5 trillion. Yes, it is constantly growing. So it is okay. a major issue. Okay. All right. So, what uh, should parents and students know about uh, student loans? For someone just uh, has a child that's just just entering entering college, what do they need to know in preparation to make wise decisions, minor wise decisions about taking out student loans? Well, you know, I know one of the biggest things we have to, uh, as parents, we have to look at is making decisions that make dollars and cents, not what I call name brand decisions. So if we can go back to the drawing board and select schools that are more affordable, and that makes sense, that would help us minimize the amount of debt we take on. Uh, unfortunately, what's happening is we're actually picking schools that, you know, they sound good or we, we see them in the, uh, the constant public eye. They're on TV. My friends are going there, and we're not getting educated on the dynamics of it. And so we find ourselves um, going into debt. Um, because we have to take out student loans in order to make that college reality uh, actually wishing for our kids. So the parents are taking out parent loans, students are taking out student loans, and now the whole family's in debt. And so that's what's contributing to the crisis. So I would say we have to go back, we have to look at the schools that we're selecting and select more affordable schools. If okay. they're already in school, and they have student loans, then we need to make sure we're only getting what we need, not the extra, so we can buy clothes and go shopping and do all those other fun things we like to do with money. Okay. I now, I know when, when, when you were on, the, on that program before, you mentioned something about the difference in schools, and some schools have more financial aid that they can give than others because of the the nature or the, the makeup of that particular school. For example, a private school as opposed to one that's, that's not private, or one that's prestigious as opposed to one that's not as prestigious. Could you could you explain that uh, a little bit? 
Absolutely. You know, I was talking to a, an, a parent about that earlier today. I actually had another parent reach out to me this week with this, this dilemma, the same dilemma. Uh, but we have every school awards financial aid differently. And with that in mind, we have to understand what type of school that is. So take your Ivies. Your Ivies are only looking to fund students who have a need, meaning they don't have the financial uh, provision for them to attend that school. Everybody that who attends an Ivy League school has the academic strength they need to get in and make the admissions requirements. So they're not going to reward you for who they are and what their brand is. They only are going to award students the, the merit side, but they have the financial need at the same time. Now, you look at a, uh, let's take a state school, uh, depending on, well, let's take a Texas a large state, state school. They probably have one of the largest endowments uh, out of any state school we have in the United States. So they have a lot more money available to award students who come to their school. So not only can they take care of students who are uh, residents of the state of Texas and follow up under those different guidelines and the programs that they have available, but they also can award students who are coming out of state who may be first-generation college students, who may be uh, going into a STEM field as such because they have multiple pools of funds they can pull from. Now, there are some smaller schools who don't have that type of finances, and as a result, they're not going to be able to offer that much financial aid. They, all, they, they can offer what is provided through the government in terms of the funds that they receive, but anything above and beyond that, they're not going to be able to offer to a large number of students, and as a result, students have a balance that they have to be able to provide. So we have to, parents have to be able to take the time to really research and understand what type of school this is, how do they award financial aid, what percent of the need uh, a student may have do they meet, and, and all those other things that goes with the financial aid breakdown. And that's what separates um, an affordable, affordable school and a non-affordable school. Okay. So it's all about doing the research. Now, uh, why should and you you mentioned this uh just just briefly but uh I wanted to uh expand on it a little bit why should uh why should students not take out the maximum amount approved for their student loan uh unless they're required to do that to cover the cost of their tuition well you know <laughs> that's a that's a great question um by uh not taking out the maximum amount it's going to decrease the debt that they will incur overall once they graduate. And the lower your student amount of debt is, of course, the lower your payments are going to be. Now, if they take out the maximum amount every year, then they're going to graduate with a higher level of debt. And what our students have to understand is once you get into everything now is about your credit. Well, part of your credit makeup, the credit score, is made up based on your debt-to-income ratio. If you have more student loan debt, if that, if that is a greater ratio of percentage of what your income is, 
then they're going to have a higher, you know, in the industry we say, everybody say DTI, death ratio, and that is going to limit their buying power. When it comes to buying a house, it's going to limit their ability to get credit in other ways, and it's going to limit the amount they can spend on the things they probably love to spend on, like buying a car, the car of their dreams. They're not going to be able to do those things because their debt-to-income ratio is already high based on their student loan debt. Okay. So students need to think about the hidden or costs that they're unaware of, but not just paying back the student loan, but the impact that can have because of the increased uh, uh, debt ratio that you were talking about. So a lot to think about there. So why should students consider uh, ways of paying down their student loans while they're still enrolled, and how can they do that? Well, the thing is, uh, when we look at student loans, first off, we have uh, subsidized and we have unsubsidized student loans. So subsidized student loans, uh, that's, if I, t- I tell students, if they get a student loan, that's the best one to get because subsidized student loans means the interest that's occurred, that's incurred on that loan while they are in college completing their degree, the government is going to pay that. So that is going to minimize how much they owe in the long run. If the student has an unsubsidized student loan, that means that interest is constantly accruing while they're finishing their degree, and it's going to continue to accrue until they pay it off. So that means in the long run, they more money for that uh, student loan. And when we think about being able to pay it off or looking at how to pay it off, this is what we want to do. We want to be able to tackle not only the minimum payment, but we want to uh, be able to go above and beyond so that they can start adding to the principal because the more uh, they're able to get the principal down, then, of course, that's less money they're paying in interest and overall uh, in the end. So some of the things students can do, I mean, hey, I wish we had Uber and Lyft when I was in school. (laughs) That's a great side hustle to make some money on the side. And instead of using that money, as tempting as it is, to go hang out, go party, go take a weekend trip and all those other things, we have to, they're going to have to discipline themselves and make some sacrifices. So that money needs to be allocated to pay towards their student loan. Because what students don't realize, while they're in college, if they have an unsubsidized loan, they can pay on the interest while they're in college. Most people don't because you're not forced to pay for it until six months after you graduate. So six months after you graduate. But they can start paying on it while they're in college. That way they can keep the amount down while they're still finishing their degree. So find a side hustle. Lift, Uber, cut hair, do hair, whatever suits their their interests and what their skill sets are. So that's one of the things they can do. Um, This may not be a popular one, but uh, once they graduate, you know, if they have the opportunity, if they're going back home where their parents are at, hey, live at home maybe for five years, three years, whatever it is, have a set amount of time that you're going to live at home but also have a plan. Because if you're living at home, you're going to minimize your expenses. And depending on your parents, they may not charge you a whole lot of money. So most of what they're going to make from their careers, 
they can put a designated amount towards their student loan and be intentional and committed to the process so that they can tackle the debt and get rid of it or put a good dent in it where it's not affecting them as much as it was in, in the beginning. So that's one thing they can do. If they don't want to live at home, then, hey, think about getting a roommate. So okay. basically what they want to do is look at how to decrease their month-to-month expenses. So getting a roommate, uh, living at home, having a side job or an additional job, those are the things they can do. But the one thing I encourage students to do that is probably going to be a challenge because when you think about how society portrays living life to the fullest and enjoying life and all those things, that's another reason that's getting people in debt. We have to learn to live, live below our means, dealing with what we only need. Do you have to have top of the line, um, a top of the line car get out of college? No, that's not necessary. Get something that's economical, that's going to get you to or from, that doesn't cost you a whole lot of money. Do you need the most expensive furniture at their furniture store? Or maybe find somebody in the state sale who is selling their furniture that's in good condition and go and buy that. So these are just different things uh, parents can even teach their kids and encourage them to while they're teaching them the lesson of money and accrued interest and all those other things that's really not taught. And that's also keeping um, our students in bondage, in uh, financial bondage. Okay, thank you so much. Now, uh, where, uh, most of the things that we talked about tonight, plus uh, a whole plan of how to make all of this work, is is outlined in, in your book. Is that not correct? Well, I don't go into this level of detail in the book. Okay. I do uh, talk about some things in, in, in classes that I teach out in live. And then when I'm working with uh, one, we're putting their game plan together, uh, these are things we will talk about, but when we're looking at it from a preventative standpoint, when uh, uh, before they go to college, our whole mission and our whole goal is to prevent them from getting student loans. So that way, this becomes a non-issue. But okay. if for some reason the student loan factors into the outcome, then that's when we'll talk about strategies on how to really tackle that and what to do uh, concerning student loans. Okay, so uh, where may people who are listening uh, get your book, and how may they contact you to learn more about uh, your involvement in, in helping parents and students not to get burdened down with student loans? They can go to crunchdebt.com. Real simple, because that's ultimately what our goal is. We're trying to eliminate college debt. So crushcollegedebt.com will... Uh, lead them to the page, and it will have information about the whole college for free mission as well as the process. And they can also okay. contact me from there. That's crushcollegedebt.com? Yes, crushcollegedebt.com. Okay. okay, all right. Well, Tamika, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We really, really appreciate it, and uh, very valuable and very helpful information. Uh, right now, we're going to go back to our uh, guests for tonight and continue our discussion on 
uh, understanding banking, credit, lending, foreclosure. And one of the things that I really wanted to talk about tonight is uh, with you, Alan, and the project that, that you have. Uh, somehow I got on your your mailing list, and I'm so glad that I did because uh, when I learned what you were doing, I, I just had to have you on the show to talk about it because I think it will help so many people. And it's one of the things that can be most devastating is the loss of a home, especially if you have children. Right. And so Absolutely. Uh, would you would you tell the listeners what your 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 program is about, how you decided to do it, and and how it helps people? Okay, um, sure. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, the name of my company is Social and Sustainable Community Development Fund. And I'm currently in the process of trying to um, get the certification um, under the Treasury to be what's considered a community development financial institution. Um, it's a CDFI, CDFI for short. And what they do is um, basically they're financial institutions that are geared towards um, typically underserved and um, kind of underrepresented communities in banking. So uh, most of the minorities um, and low-income neighborhoods, um, it's, it's banks and credit unions and financial institutions that are, are geared towards those communities. And what I've um, decided to do after many years of bankruptcy um, is after watching so many people um, struggle with the relationships with their, their banks and their debt and being at risk of foreclosure um, because bankruptcy is one of the means in order to try and prevent foreclosure or it kind of slows down the process. Um, after years of seeing that and the, the trouble that families were going through, um, I came up with an idea that instead of being in the position where I was, where I'm at the trustees, bankruptcy trustee's office, we were kind of the middleman in between the banks and the, the people um, in debt. I was like, well, how about instead of being in the middle and kind of mediating in between the two, um, I can form a company and just try and become a better bank, a better financial institution, and try and take their place. Um, now, in order to do that, um, what I'm doing with my company is basically um, I'm in the, the process of fundraising, and what we're going to be doing is purchasing what's considered non-performing loans, um, from the banks and credit unions around the country, and by non-performing, meaning that it's, it's loans and mortgages that haven't been paid off in over a year, could be two years, three years, where those families, um, it may not be worth it to them to to pay on an underwater mortgage, or maybe they had a financial crisis where they lost a job, or there was a there's an illness in the family that affected their their income. And what I'm what I'm doing with my company is basically going to these um, banks and saying that you know, you know th these loans that are on your books that haven't been paid on in years, you know they are a liability to you. Um, I'm willing to purchase them, um, you know, at a discount. You can you can get them off of your books, which will help your financial health. I'll purchase them at a discount, and then I'll take that um, that loan. And now, now that I purchased it, we'll become the new bank. And I'll reach out to that family and say, I know that you haven't been able to pay in a couple of years, but um, how about we reduce 
your your loan amount and get you into a status where you're able to to be able to pay again and be able to keep your home and not be able to be at risk at um, a foreclosure anymore. So I don't know if I um, explained it well enough, but the, the entire goal is basically to um, purchase um, mortgages that haven't been paid on where those families are at risk of foreclosure and turn around and be a compassionate um, financial institution and work with the homeowners and get them into something that's much more affordable for them. And I'm able to do that primarily because of the situation where the banks no longer want these loans that they aren't receiving money on. And it's easier to, to help them out that way. So my, my company's goal is to basically create win-win situations um, for everybody. Okay. Now, now, how long has uh, your company been in, 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 in existence? Uh, we started in June of last year. Okay. And um, I'm in the, the process. Um, I've been fundraising and, and, and creating some relationships with um, different nonprofits and, and banks and, and creating the, the network to make everything work. Um, in, in the past, I've been more of a consultant for other companies and trying to help out. I'm just being more proactive about doing it and, and be able to manage it. Um, from from my end now, and um, I'm in the process of uh, working on a crowdfunding campaign, um, which will allow um, you know everyone in the community to be able to participate as well, because um, because this is a it's an ability to invest and in, in, to make money, but the goal is to be have a social impact, and I thought the best way to do that but also to be able to assist the people in our communities that, you know, need help in investing and making money and who have that social um, purpose and want to help out. Um, so if I can do that through a crowdfunding effort, that means that our communities can be a part of the, the, the process and helping out our communities and help increase their own um, household income and wealth as well. Okay. Now, where are you based, uh, Alan? Where, where are you located? I'm actually located in Orlando, Florida, and um, that's primarily where I'll be working out of, but the program is, is, is a national program where we'd be able to help out um, purchase these type of loans and, and kind of rehab the families and the, the loans and, and the houses from, from anywhere in the, in the States. Okay. Now, do you have to initiate the process and contact the bank to make the purchase, or can an individual that is in trouble and, and about to go into foreclosure, can they contact your company for help? It, to be honest, it would be a little bit more difficult for the individual to be able to reach out to okay. me because – um, it's just the way that the system is currently set up um, that the banks may not respond. They so in other not, words, um, it would be better if you bought a, a whole group of loans from a bank instead of one individual loan. Is, is that it? Yes. And, um, okay. The, and, it, and it's a little harder to, to match up. Uh, for me, if, if someone called me, and said, hey, I'm working, um, I'm, I have a loan with this mortgage company, 
sometimes it's not always that easy to find the right person to to get to that one specific loan. Um, but my process is basically to reach out to multiple banks and see what they have on their books, and then I will be purchasing um, pools of loans and just groups of loans and, and work with all those families within that um, available um, package. So, I, I mean, it'll it'll take some time, but, um, you know, I'll try and, you know, reach and, and help as many families as I can. Okay. Now, as as far as we know, uh, there's no other organization or company uh, in the private sector or no organization in government that's doing what you're doing. Is that correct? There are um, there are some companies. It's not it's not a there aren't um, a very large amount of companies that are doing this. Um, but there's also a big difference between my goal and what some of the companies. Um, are doing because what I'm trying to do is is purchase the loans you know at a discount and um, from the banks. Which, for for example, if if the the mortgage amount is worth say a hundred thousand dollars, you know if I'm able to purchase it um, at a discount at say fifty or sixty thousand dollars, with that with that spread um, in between. The sixty thousand and a hundred thousand, I would come to the homeowner and say, "Let's just um, knock off some of the the money that you owe, and let's make it a new mortgage of say eighty thousand, just for an example." Okay. Um, just lowering it, um, which is called a principal reduction. Most of the other people in the industry, uh, what they do is just kind of take all your the loans and fee, the the fees that have accumulated over the years. And just kind of rearrange them and put them at the back end of the loan, where you still owe, you know, the full amount plus all the backed up fees, and they expect all of it from you. And if you're already in a financial position where you weren't able to pay it for years, like it's not going to be that much better from a new person, you know, asking for the same thing. Um, the, the biggest difference is that most companies will not offer you a principal reduction, and that's the goal that I'm trying to do. You know, I'm not trying to. I'm trying to make a win-win for everybody. So therefore, you know, it doesn't it doesn't hurt me to offer um a discount to you. It just makes things more easy for that homeowner to make their payments and to receive payments and um stabilize neighborhoods and and just kind of avoid the whole um, foreclosure process. Okay. Well, uh Alan, I really want to thank you for joining us tonight, and I think what you are doing is just phenomenal. And I, I wish you the best, and we here at the CWR Talk Network will do everything that we can to support you. I will be in contact to see it. how we can do things to uh, some other things to, to work together to uh, help put more fo- focus on your, your company. Uh, how can listeners help you, and, and how may they contact you? Um, excuse me. Um, what I'm what I'm going to be doing is I'm, I'm going to be doing a kind of a, a launch of the, some of the different opportunities that are going to be available uh, next month, and I will definitely stay in contact with you and let you know so it can be um, sent out to your listeners. Um, right now, um, you can, if you want to, email me um, any sort of um, 
communication or opportunities or things or partnerships or anything that you may think of, um, you can reach me directly at Alan, A-L-A-N, at social and sustainable, the letters cdf.com. And I'm also available by phone at 407-796-1431. And you can look me up um, on Facebook, my company, Social and Sustainable Community Development Fund. Okay. Very good. And once again, we, we thank you so much, and we wish you the best. Uh, um, Lionel, uh, one of the things I did not mention about you uh, when we first started is that Lionel is also a host on the CWR Talk Network, and many of our listeners probably already know that, but I did want to mention that in case there's someone who may be tuning in tonight that, that's this new. And Lionel has had some phenomenal guest on uh, on his program. Would you like to tell us about some of the, the shows that you've had, especially uh, during Financial Literacy Month? Uh, yes, down there. Thank you again. Yeah, my show, uh, the Lionel Shipman Sh- uh, Shape Your Finances show, is every Tuesday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, for this past month, uh, well, during this month, uh, Financial Literacy Month, I've had, um, oh gosh, a great uh, story of an accountant and and her personal uh, uh, issues uh, with money and how she came out and now she's actually teaching others how to manage their their monies uh, more responsibly. I had a guest on last week uh, uh, that spoke from the perspective of mental performance and how mental performance play into how we. Uh, manage our finances. Uh, the previous week, I had a gentleman out, uh, that, if you're familiar with Sammy the Rabbit, Sammy the Rabbit is a character that is geared toward or that is used to teach uh, our youth how to uh, better enhance their money habits or to establish good money habits. Um, those those great guests, I mean, Miss Kelly Wright. Uh, Mr. Sam Rennick and Jay uh, Hollinshed. And next week I will have Ms. Pamela McCoy, uh, a credit uh, consultant expert. Uh, we will be uh, discussing what she's doing, the great things that she's doing through her company with, in, with instilling good credit habits and good financial literacy skills within uh, our community. So uh, definitely tune in on next Tuesday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, you can, of, of course, check the website, uh, the CWR Talk Network website, as far as details of the show. Okay. I'd like to thank both of you for, for joining us uh, tonight, uh, Lionel and Alan, and also our special surprise guest, uh, Ms. Tamika Williamson. And also, don't forget our new program starting, and uh, we thank uh, the host and producer of that show, uh, Miss Joanne Burrow for being with us, and you can tune in and hear her uh, reading program on Saturday. Uh, and so we, we want to encourage you to do that as well. That's just about going to conclude things for this evening. I will return again on Monday night, and my special guest is going to be Mr. Andy Lapointe, and we're going to be talking about something that that uh, Alan mentioned, and that is cryptocurrency 
and Bitcoin. Uh, many of you may have heard of it. Some of you may have not. But it's, it's a new uh, form of money, or, or is it? We're going to find out uh, Monday night, but it's something that should be very interesting, and uh, we feel it's important that people should know about, especially in, in our community. So we thank you for joining us. Have a good evening and a great rest of the week and a fun weekend. And uh, take care, and we'll see you next week. listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network, hashtag one million strong. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.